Welcome to episode 11 of the Countryline Songwriter Series, where you'll hear from some of the most successful artists and songwriters working in Nashville today. Country music is all about storytelling, and this is where you'll discover the stories from the people themselves of how they managed to find their way into such a competitive industry and rise to the top what motivates and inspires them, and what they've learned along the way. Born in New York City, Caroline Jones grew up in Connecticut and developed a love of music at an early age. When she was nine, she asked her parents to enroll her in singing lessons, and at 10 years old, she wrote her first song. Jones also took piano lessons, and after mastering the keyboard, she also learned to play guitar, banjo, and dobro. She was 16 when she visited Nashville for the first time, and attended a songwriter night at the famous Bluebird Cafe. This experience then influenced a move to Florida, where she began studying the compositional styles of country artists who she admired, including Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson and Hank Williams. While honing her songwriting skills, she relocated to New York City and began performing regularly at schools and colleges as part of The Heart is Smart, an educational program that encourages young people to use music and songwriting as a means of expression. She also became the host of Art and Soul, a satellite radio show in which she chats to fellow musicians about the art and craft of songwriting. In January of 2011, Jones issued her first album, a self-released effort titled Fallen Floor. This was soon followed by Nice to Know You in January of 2012, Clean Dirt in March of 2012, and her fourth album, The Heart is Smart, in September of 2012. In 2016, she teamed up with acclaimed producer Rick Wake. His credits include working with artists such as Mariah Carey and Celine Dion. One of the first fruits of their collaboration was Tough Guys, a song about female empowerment in a male-dominated world. It was released as a single in October of 2016 and quickly turned Jones into one of country music's rising stars. She built upon this momentum through touring as an opening act for the Zac Brown Band. Her appearance at a Hurricane Benefit concert put her in contact with the late Jimmy Buffett. He liked her style and signed her to his label, Mailboat Records. Mailboat released her album, Bare Feet, in March of 2018. The effort was her first to chart on Billboard, landing in the top 20 on the Heat Seekers, Independent and Country Sales list. Buffett, who was notorious for having no openers, then brought Caroline out as an opening act and special guest in 2018 and 19. Then, following the pandemic, another major break came in 2022 when she was asked to join the Zac Brown Band as a permanent member. Here, Caroline chats with myself, Stuart Banford, as she prepares to release new solo material. The Countryline Songwriters Series with Caroline Jones. So, Caroline, your third album, Home Sight, it's coming on the 20th of October. You've literally just put out a music video for a a deeply personal song in this collection called Talking to Milo. The video not only features your husband, Nick, but this song was inspired by both a conversation you had with him about starting a family and also a separate conversation with his late brother. Now, you've been very open and honest in the past about, uh, well, self-confessed, addicted to work, you know, incredible drive, career focus. And this song also touches on your own fears of maybe losing that drive when becoming a mother. That's a very vulnerable and honest thing to put into a song, right? Do you really want to do this, baby? 
you. Well, that means a lot. And I'm just so glad that this song is resonating with people and, and moving people. Um, it's an internal conflict that I see a lot of my friends, like this generation of women having to navigate in a way that previous generations didn't because previous generations didn't have the career opportunities that I have as a woman now. And I feel very lucky to be standing on their shoulders and to be 33 years old, having my first child, having lived a whole life and been able to build a career over time. Like those weren't options that even my mom really had, you know, like let alone my grandmother and her grandmother and her grandmother. So we're in this new time where you have a lot more opportunities as a woman of what you want to do with your life in this day and age, and especially in this country and in Western countries. Um, but with that comes a lot of responsibility of how to navigate, you know, if you do want to have a family, because it's, you know, a unique investment. I could show you my belly right now, but it's a, it's an investment in a way that it's not for men. It's a physical investment, like a, an emotional, spiritual investment that is pretty intense and no joke, you know? So it was something I really, really struggled with for a few years. It's not like I always wanted to get married and have kids. You know, a, a lot of people that I know my sisters being great examples, they always saw themselves as mothers, but I really didn't. I saw myself being like a musical gypsy my whole life. So coming to this decision was a big shift for me. And it was all really, truly like as cheesy as it sounds, it was all inspired by this like depth of love that I have for my husband. Um, and this like dream that he was able to wake up in me that I didn't know that I had. And, um, so this song is just about navigating those waters. And, um, like you said, I'm calling upon my, um, husband's, uh, late brothers, uh, kind of like guardian angel presence in the song. Cause I never knew Milo. Um, he died a few years before I met Nick, but we feel like I knew him and we kind of think of him as the guardian angel in our relationship. You're out on tour doing your own solo stuff like with Zach Brown band. Is it, is it tiring and difficult? Yeah. I would say overall, it's been an amazing experience. And I think part of that is, like I said, because I was ready and because of the season of life I'm in, like all the Zach Brown band members, they're all dads, you know, they have families, they're real family men, like they love their kids and their wives. And so they're in that season of life. Like I think if I were touring with a bunch of guys in their twenties who are partying every night, it would be very different, you know? Um, so I feel very lucky to have been encouraged and supported by them, by the crew, by the fans. Like it's so sweet to see how just supportive people are, you know, I would say it's getting a little harder now just because my energy, like I really have to manage my energy. I'm eight months as of yesterday. So I really have to manage my energy. It's not very natural to be like traveling a lot at this point in your pregnancy, just like primally I know that sounds weird but like your body doesn't want to it's not like let's jump on a plane let's go on a tour bus you know it's like let's stay at home <laughs> but I feel very lucky because I'm I'm in a very very privileged position um with them they're just so good to me and so supportive of me I have a team that supports me and a family that supports me so I'm not complaining so there's 11 songs on this brand new album yeah. and you either wrote or co-wrote them all apart from one. There's mm -hmm. a lovely cover of a song originally recorded by Julie Miller in the 90s mm -hmm. by yeah. way of sorrow. I'd never heard this song before, but it's really, yeah. really gorgeous. Now, 
your version also features the great Vince Gill, who I know you opened for back in 2019. Yeah. So was that a case of just reaching out to him and he said yes? And why this song in particular? Because as I say, I'd never heard it before myself. I hadn't either until last year. And actually my friend, Alyssa Bonagura, who's also on the record as a feature, um, she showed this song to me and I just, gosh, this song just brings me to my knees. It is so beautiful. I think it should be a bluegrass classic. Like I couldn't believe I hadn't heard it before. It's so magical. And we recorded this song and it was actually Brandon Hood, my co-producer who said, you know, Vince would be incredible singing harmony on this song. And I, you know, and I have toured with Vince, so I do know him a little bit, but you never assume, you know, it's not like we're best friends texting all the time. Um, so I was like, you know, you go for it, Brandon, shoot for the moon. You know, I didn't put too much stock in the thought because it was so far fetched to me. So when Brandon said that Vince had agreed to sing on it, I was blown away and so honored because Vince is on my Mount Rushmore of heroes. I mean, I just couldn't have more reverence or respect or admiration for his musicianship, his songwriting, his voice, and just the way he's approached his life and career. He's such a graceful, generous, genteel man and so humble. And I find that a lot of the best musicians are, you know, and, but it's still a beautiful thing to see and model yourself after. Your songwriting the way you approach it over the years, has that changed at all? As in, I'm curious because I'm aware of how many different instruments you play. So how does it typically work for you? Do you tinker around and come across a melody and then lyrics or do the lyrics come and then you build the melody around it? It can transpire both ways for me. Typically, a lyric and melody will kind of come together. I've really become much more meticulous about my songwriting in the last few years. Um, and so typically it takes me longer to write songs now because I'm more crafty. I care more about every single word and every single melody. And if something's not right, I'll wait a few weeks or months until I can get it right. You know, so I tinker with songs a lot. There's songs on this record that took a long time to finish, like million little band-aids was written over, you know, maybe eight months or a year just getting all those melodies right and getting those verses right structurally, all that stuff I really nerd out on. And even the songs that I co-wrote on this record, because I did some co-writing on this record, which I really haven't in previous records. I've mostly self-written, but I'm meeting some collaborators here in Nashville because I have more of a platform now that I really respect and love. And whether that be, you know, um, Pete Good and Brandon Ratcliffe, who I wrote Lawless with, I just love their writing. Um, or the Chapters guys who I wrote Serendipity with. And um, it's pretty fun kind of tapping into their pop sensibilities. And so even with those co-writes, like we didn't sit down and write those songs in two hours. Like we did two or three sessions, which is pretty rare for Nashville, like getting all those lyrics right and getting all those melodies right. But I would say typically a song, like the genesis of a song starts with lyric and melody, but then takes a while to finesse. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about like, the painstaking time and attention to detail you put into songs and lyrics, because, 
you know the way I like different songs or different artists for different moods? I always listen to you when I'm like going for a walk or a long drive. I never throw you on as just like disposable background music. I listen to you to take in every word you're saying. Thank you. That really means a lot. That really does. Um, yeah, that's how I listen to music too. I find it hard to, I mean, I think it's because I'm such a music nerd, but I find it hard to just have music on in the background because I find that it's hard for me to do anything else when I'm <laughs> listening to music. Like it's a pet peeve. Like my husband's always playing music in the car and talking to me at the same time. And I'm like, I can't, like I either have to talk to you or listen to music. Like I can't do both at the same time. <laughs> What's the last song you heard that you'd wish you'd written? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have such a good answer for this because I am obsessed. If you haven't heard the Stephen Wilson Jr. record, you're in for such a treat. Um, the whole record is unbelievable. Like I'm the biggest Stephen Wilson Jr. fangirl. Like I'm out here like tooting his horn like all day, <laughs> every day to everyone. But it's just the best record I've heard in a really long time. And I think my favorite songs are Patches cuckoo and father's son which is just like oh just kills me it's so good i've never known better because every bone's tethered you want to change my name gotta drain my blood god damn i am my father's son That's interesting because earlier this year they put on almost like a a miniature C2C. It was the first ever year of a festival at the Royal Albert Hall called Highways. He performed. I mean, it was like Kip Murr and Morgan Wade, but yeah. he made a real he made a real impact. You know, I can see that especially with the UK audience because they're so lyric driven, and he's yeah. such a poet. But yeah, I hadn't heard of him till a few weeks ago, and I'm just, I'm obsessed. Wow, wow, wow. You mentioned yeah. that song there, Million Little Band-Aids. It also features yeah. your Zach Brown band bandmates. Being now the only female in the group, and I'm sure people have said this to you, you bring such a, a fresh, dynamic appeal and energy to the stage. And uh, that really hit home for me whenever I saw you guys headlining C2C in Dublin mm-hmm. earlier this year. I know you you began opening for them as a solo artist. I think it was back in 2017. And then you would open for them sort of on and off over the next few years. But tell me about, you know, coming out of the pandemic and then that random phone call you got from Zach asking you to become a full-time member. You basically just said it. When we were coming out of the pandemic and we were just starting to tour again, I was recording my second record, Antipodes. And I got a call from Zach saying, will you come out on the road and play utilities in the band and just cover some of these parts on our our new record the comeback that we don't have enough people to cover and people are always surprised by that because they go they have eight people like how do they not have enough people on stage to cover but what people forget is that zach brownman they don't play tracks for the most part like unless there's um some sort of electronic sample that can't be reproduced live like there are no um real instruments on tracks being played, which is very, very typical now. Like everyone else is doing that. So they really try to try to reproduce everything live. So I was shocked, Stuart. I mean, I was like me, like in the band, like on stage, like (laughs) with everyone for the whole time. I I was so confused. And then I had 
you know, a moment where I know it seems silly now because it's like I can't imagine myself not in the band, but I had a moment where I was like, should I do this? Like, will people not take my solo career seriously anymore? Or like, can I do this? You know, and um, gosh, it's just a testament to the band and to Zach that I've been able to continue my solo career and then have this chapter joining the Zach Brown band as the first and only female member, which is just so surreal and such an honor. And I just thought I cannot pass up this opportunity to, to be mentored by and to be, you know, soaking up the lessons and the musicianship of people of this caliber. Like if I look back on my career in 30, 40 years, these are opportunities that you just don't, they don't come around, you know? Um, And so I went out with them that summer and was kind of thrown in the deep end. Like they don't even, I don't want to say they don't rehearse. They rehearse new things, but they've been playing so long together. Like the last thing they need to do is like rehearse knee deep. You know what I mean? So in some ways, you know, there was little to no rehearsal. Like I was literally just thrown on stage with them um, on their tour and like slowly, (laughs) slowly got my sea legs. Like I'm still getting my sea legs. Um, But now this is my third year playing in the band. And like I said, it's family. It's the honor of my career and my life. And, um, and I just feel such a responsibility to like find a, a way to contribute in some small way to what they're doing. So thanks for the kind words. That really means a lot. But what's that like when you're, you guys are in the zone and, you know, there's such an energy that comes off the stage when you guys are yeah. all tapped in and when you're making eye contact with them and it's rocking, what is that? That must be such a feeling of power. Yeah, it actually really is. That's a great way to describe it. And I, think sometimes musicians take it for granted, but there's so few times in life where we're really not thinking or acting, behaving with some sort of agenda, you know, Mm -hmm. like music is so pure. And when you're in a band like that and everyone is playing their heart out and contributing and in the moment, it is so special because you're able to tap into this other energy. That's not the thinking mind. It's like, I mean, I've never really actually done drugs, but I've been been pretty straight laced my whole life, but I'm sure it's like that, you know, it's like being tapped into another dimension and, um, I love it. I mean, it's what I live for, you know, and, um, being able to share that with other musicians and other people, and then being able to share that with tens of thousands of people in, in an audience is, it's a real privilege like to be able to stand up there and call that your job you know that privilege of as you say you know being in one of the world's biggest bands playing stadiums arenas and it's so musically diverse I mean you guys go from covering Sinatra to Metallica and then you also have the luxury of being able to step away and you know, spotlight your own music, give yourself a voice. When you perform live, you, you talk more about like the inspiration behind the writing of the songs. There's more of a one-to-one, maybe personal connection with mm-hmm. the fans. So to have the best of both worlds, are you also now seeing a knock-on of, you know, new faces from Zach Brown Band's fan base coming to your own gigs? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I owe my whole career to Zach and Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Um, those fans that I've, seen along the way on those shows are the fans that come to my shows. I fully know that. And again, I just tip my hat and feel so grateful to the mentors who have uh, taken me under their wing and introduced me to their fan bases. And I think also 
the Zamily, the Zach Brown band fan base, they've just been so sweet and supportive of me, like getting me baby gifts on this tour and just <laughs> making signs and just really sweet, sweet things that um, it makes me feel more and more like part of their family, you know? You probably don't remember this. I'm sure you don't because you just never stop. You're flat out all the time. But we actually spoke backstage at Country to Country in Dublin in 2019 when you performed, right? Yeah, no, I do vaguely remember that because I remember that was my first time performing overseas. So it was very exciting for me. I actually listened back last night in preparation for this conversation to our conversation, right? And you described yourself back then because obviously you write and produce your own music, you described yourself as a creative control freak, right? Yeah. (laughs) So how good has that been for you then to collaborate with Zach Brown Band and also, as we've already talked about, you know, stand on stage with that caliber of musicians and every day must be like a school day for even somebody as talented as yourself. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm nowhere near the level that I want to be. And having the opportunity to play with people who are so much better with you, like in the Zach Brown band or in any of these other musical scenarios that I find myself in, um, yeah. whether it's with Brandon Hood on this record um, and the bands that he puts together in the studio. I mean, that's how you get better. And I think that um, I'm still a creative control freak in many ways, but I think that having those experiences has opened me up a lot since 2019 and just by necessity, because like I said, I was kind of thrown in the deep end on the Zach Brown band tour in the best way. So I think a lot of my perfectionism, the edges of that have been rounded um, (laughs) by necessity of just being in situations where I am the least experienced musician on stage and I am way out of my depth and the people on stage still somehow let me let me on there you know and I think that that um makes you a less timid person and a more um raw musician and lets kind of your soul shine through with imperfections in ways that like I definitely was not comfortable with a few years ago okay where do you think that sort of drive work ethic attention to detail comes from is it was it sort of passed on to you from your parents or what I think so both my parents have really they're really intense disciplined um, human beings with strong work ethic and I would say like strong morals and beliefs. So I would say partially that. Um, And then I would say just a love for music and like a love for what I do and a strong um, like sense of artistry that I've always had since I was a little kid. Like I remember being really little and, and getting obsessed with the stories and poems and ideas in my mind. Like, it's been a fuel for me since I was very, very young. And um, I think that coupled with, yeah, my parents' work ethic. Um, and then I think just seeing in this industry that there's so many talented people and talent is just one, like one of the attributes that you need to um, have a career. Like, you know, the other 99% is sweat equity and blood, sweat and tears and consistency. And then also just being, a kind, humble person, because otherwise you close yourself off to a lot of people and opportunities um, that ultimately you're the one missing out. And so I think it's a combination of those things. It's interesting because your husband's obviously at the top of his game as well. So good luck to your child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think that, yeah, I'm excited to instill that 
mostly less the work ethic. I mean, obviously work ethic is really important, but more that just your child sees you as a fulfilled, complete human being out there um, chasing down a dream and getting after it and not doing it perfectly, but doing it to the best of your ability. Like that's really what I want, hopefully to model for my child. John Driscoll Hopkins from Zach Brown Band last year, he went public with his own ALS diagnosis. Since then, he's been very proactive in, you know, a campaign and a fight to help others. He started a foundation trying to raise money for research. Can you tell us, I mean, I I don't want to ask questions I'm not supposed to ask, but, you know, how's he doing? How's he getting on with it? He's doing really well. And and, um, I'm obviously not in his body or with him every day, so I don't want to speak for him. But I will say it's been really inspiring to watch his resilience and his sense of purpose with this diagnosis because it's easy to get lost in the victimhood of it, but he's really used it as an opportunity to um, shed light on this disease. And the cool thing about ALS is that they're actually pretty close with a cure. Like it's going to be, you know, I'm not sure exactly how many years, but it's less than 10 years, hopefully, until they have an actual cure for this disease. So the arms race of it is very real. And the fact that he is able to be a spokesperson and and shine so much light on it is really important. Like we're at a very pivotal time in the development of um, a cure for this disease. And it's just, you know, these are the challenges of life that um, are inevitable. Unfortunately, Um, we're all going to face some sort of challenges, whether it's health or otherwise, and seeing people like John navigate it with as much grace and resilience and honesty and um, authenticity as possible is, is really inspiring because you can't, you can't um, ward off tough things in life, you know, Um, and to see him up there on stage every night, like it's really inspiring to me, to the, everyone in the band crew and to the fans. For sure. Listen, I have a load more questions, but I think I can just squeeze one more in. Um, You touched on this earlier. In 2012, Mac McAnally sort of, you know, took you under his wing in Nashville. And then several years later, through performing at a benefit concert, you were introduced to, um, as you mentioned, the late Jimmy Buffett. You have said these three guys, Mac, Jimmy, Zach Brown, these guys are responsible for your career or, you know, through touring with Jimmy and, you know, your music being released through his label. Tell me a bit about some of the memories you have of him and just how influential he's been in your journey. There will never be another Jimmy Buffett. You know, he was one of one, a singular, brilliant mind. And I think there's so many amazing stories I could tell about Jimmy, about touring with him. And like you said, him taking me under his wing and signing me to a distribution deal to put out my first record, Bare Feet. Um, he wrote a song for me with Mac called Gulf Coast Girl that he featured on with Kenny Chesney and Lucas Nelson and Mac and, you know, thought it was hilarious that these four superstars called themselves the Pelican Airs. And, um, you know, he he was just such a champion for me. And I'm eternally grateful to him for that um, and will never, ever uh, forget his influence as long as I live. Um, but, you know, what really rubbed off on me more than anything was just his whole personhood. Like he was the most passionate. I keep saying this when people ask me, but 
you know, at 75, he was just putting all of us to shame. Like I know people in this town in their twenties who are jaded and cynical and over it. And why aren't I famous yet? And why don't I have this hit on the radio and whatever? And he was 75 and just idea, 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 like, um, marketing scheme, business plan, new album. What's the set list tonight? And when he wasn't doing all that, he was surfing, sailing, flying planes. Like he just had an energy and a zest for life and a passion that, like I said, it puts all of us to shame, like at the, at the age where we should be having that kind of energy, you know? Yeah. And it just reminds you what a privilege it is to play music, to, to even just be alive. Like that's what so many of his songs were about. And, and that's why so many people resonated and still will always resonate with his music because it just reminds you of what really matters in life. And there's such a joy to it that I think um, I was talking to my manager about this the other day, but that is, it's really hard to capitalize on because we live in a world that likes to capitalize on misery and fear and conflict and like antagonism and to build a career um, and resonate with millions of people with a positive message of joy you know, it's really hard to build that. And yeah. he did. And it's incredible. It's so inspiring. And um, yeah, I, I'm so grateful to him and, and I love him so much and we all miss him, but mostly I feel really just grateful to have known him and to have had that kind of example because it changes you forever. Caroline, listen, thank you very much for giving me some time. I could talk to you for another half hour. Uh, good luck with this new album. And uh, good luck with the next chapter of your life, which is incoming. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. And listen, get the Zach Brown band back over here. Come up to Belfast next time. I know. You know, we loved it. We we loved being over there this year. And Zach was saying he wants to come back every year. So wow. I don't think it'll be too long before we do come back. Um, and I'll have, in the words of a Gretchen Wilson, I'll have a baby on my hip. <laughs> Very good. Listen. Um, Thank you very thank much you, and all the best. Speak to you again. Thank you. Yeah, what a great interview. Thank you so much. See you later. Thank you. The Countryline Songwriters Series with Caroline Jones. More episodes from this series are available on the Countryline app and website or just search for the Countryline Songwriters Series wherever you normally get your podcasts.